movies. Hey, unrelated. Hey, turn turn that off, Corey. I had this question. Did you guys watch? Are you, did you guys watch the Zack whatever the Snyder cut of the uh, Justice League at all? Yes. Four hour cut. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't yet. Uh, what'd you think, Corey? Uh, there was a good three hour movie in there. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the 55-1 Podcast. I am Wes Verdine. I am joined by Corey Rodrigo Mark. Welcome, comrades, to the official preview episode. We're going to look at Minnesota United and uh, and what 2021 holds for us. Um, I'll, I'll kick us off by just saying this, which is that um, our friend Dunord, Bruce McGuire, did his uh, little... Um, like game that he does on Twitter, which is, you know, everyone give me your preview, your, your guess of how many points Minnesota will get from the next three games. Usually he does like five or six games at a time. And I'm always at least seven points off. And, uh, and I will, I will just say, I briefly went through when he had 80 replies and only eight of them were four and below. I think, um, I think Colin Solberg is the only one who picked a zero, but uh, we're going to get into this into this whole thing here. But I'll just say optimism is the highest I've ever seen coming out of a preseason, which is our season of panic. It's kind of like um, climate change has fucked things up and there's like no, we're not having a real winter anymore. There's no winter. There's no panic. And uh, and here we are. We're taking it, going to a season thinking we're a decent team, which is just just fucking ludicrous. Yes, let's start with the news, which is uh, we want to go all the non-Minnesota stuff here first. Um, MLS is in CCL, CONCACAF Champions League is here, and uh, and they're actually good. I don't know what to make of this. Who's been watching these? Yeah, I've been I've been watching. I watched I think three of the first five. Um, MLS has been punching above their weight. I mean. You know, listening to extra time last week, and um, you know, Weeby was was talking about how he just needs to not be so negative about it or expect anything less. Like we should expect more from our MLS teams at this point for CCL. Um, basically, out of the first five matches, so Atlanta, Philly, Columbus, Toronto, and Portland, no one lost. We had three wins: Atlanta, Philly, Columbus, uh, Toronto, and Portland both drew. Um, and by the In way, the first I, leg. I, I do want to just say that there's no we when we're talking about Atlanta winning. That's we. Yeah. Like, I, I do not. Atlanta was MLS. the only MLS team I was actively cheering against. Actually, <laughs> yeah, I was hoping that they were going to draw and lose on away goals. Like that would be mm. perfect. Um, but as of this taping, um, Atlanta is moving on. They won their second leg. Yeah, they beat um, Wednesday. Yep, and then uh, and, Philly, and Columbus, I'm, and Toronto. Yeah, go ahead, Mark. No, and then also, of course, in a true Atlanta fashion, who like snuck into the tournament on you know without actually winning anything. Yeah. In this round, in the home match, the like, the team they're playing was missing like what like five or six starters because of like yeah. COVID stuff from them traveling to Europe. Yeah. Like, two weeks yeah. Ago. yeah. 
Yeah. All, all the best players for Alawense, including <laughs> Johan Venegas. Um, and I will say yeah. that um, Ish Jones Portland, because he's, I th- I'm pretty sure he's the captain of the team at this point. Um, yeah. They, they yeah. just kicked the crap out of um, uh, Mar- Marathon. Yeah. Yeah. They, they had a 2 2 draw in their first, first leg and they smacked them 5 0 in the second leg at home in Portland. Uh, Jimmy Chara, hat trick. Um, they won 7 2 on aggregate. That wrapped just before we started taping this and uh, they are moving on. So yep. things are looking up, Millhouse. So, um, coming up, Millhouse. Jesus, <laughs> you're killing it today, Corey. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Inter Miami, they have four DPs, and apparently by Friday need to get rid of one of them. So, likely, you know, people have been talking about uh, Matias Pellegrini going somewhere. Um, yeah, this this is just joyful to watch. We haven't even heard what the um what the result of the investigation and how and who's going to get how they're going to get in trouble. We just know that they need to offload a player in T minus four more days, three more days, uh, which is kind of wild uh, to to see if they can get rid of or what they can get for him. Because you know, if a team like Colorado Rapids could get a player who Inter Miami paid six million. Four, six seven. to nine million, six, I think. No, I thought it was six nine. Two nine. Six yes. to nine. They never officially said how much. Yeah, it six to nine. Six right. and nine million. Yeah. Somewhere in and that actually, range. It, so, it sounds like he's going to Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. the last rumor I heard was Montreal. Okay. Well, they could use a, a, a decent, a decent player. Um, but that's going to be fantastic to watch. Um, you had uh, the MLS announced finally the under-22 initiative or what... what um, I believe Sam Stashko and Paul Tenorio have dubbed Young Money. Um, I think it's Young Money Bitches. Yeah. So what? Who, who's going to explain the Young Money to me? Corey? Yeah. So like we, we covered this on the pod a couple of weeks back, a couple of months back, um, when the rumors were circulating that, you know, um, Paul and Sam had their, their sources. Um, basically, all of that was confirmed, and I'll go through the nuts and bolts really quickly. Um, basically, each team will have up to three U22 initiative slots. Each of those players will occupy one of the 20 senior roster slots. So there's no like secondary, tertiary roster positions there. Um, how many each team gets is dependent on how they use their third designated player slot. So if they, if you don't have a third designated player, you get all three U22 slots. If you have, if your third DP is a young DP, so Tommy Chacon would be an would be an example for Minnesota United, um, they would also get all three U twenty two slots in addition to that young DP. If the third DP is under twenty four, um, or is below the maximum TAM amount, which is one point six million roughly, you also get all three. The the thing that changes it for your allocation of, of U22 players is if your third designated player is 24 or older and is above the maximum TAM, you will only get one U22 player. So basically, it's like if you are bringing in semi-veteran players, seasoned players from overseas, South America, wherever, and they are full DPs, you get one U22. If you have a young DP or you don't use that third slot, you get all three U22 slots. This is actually an incentive for teams to utilize the um, uh, basically their homegrown players 
their super draft players, signing them to more lucrative contracts. And then um, that will allow them to occupy this U22 slot until they're age 25. So that's the the nuts and bolts of, of the new U22 initiative. Yeah, and I'm very curious how it's going to like affect uh, Minnesota United just because this the whole U22 initiative is one of the reasons why I thought Minnesota should be in the hunt for Matias Pellegrini from Miami just because I and I don't know for sure because of course uh roster stuff and salary stuff from Minnesota is all tough to find especially since it MLSPA hasn't announced any salary since 2019 but if Grey Goose is allowed to be bought down via TAM then he would be the one that would qualify us to uh, utilize all three spots of the um, young kind of U22 spots, uh, which uh, Chacon would automatically fall into. Then we would still have two more. And then that would open up his DP spot. So I was, I was just thinking that, all right, if uh, Grey Goose is allowed to be bought down uh, and um, Chacon's spot's opening up, then we, if we brought in, uh, you know, Pellegrini, he would work as a young DP. And then we could buy down Grey Goose and sign a older DP striker later on in the summer this year and still have all the spots and still maintain all three of yeah. our under 22 spots as well. Um, yeah. So Chacon would move, Chacon would move to U22. Grey Goose would be a TAM player. Pellegrini, which he, he's not coming here, um, would be your young DP that would free up a regular DP slot, and then you would have Reynoso as your main DP. Right. But either way, regardless of whether or not Grey Goose is, uh, qualifies to be bought down with Tam, it still automatically opens up uh, um, Chacon's DP spot to us because I think we're paying him like $300,000 a year. So he yeah. was under the whatever the like 616 or whatever it was max that yeah. he could be paid. So, yep. Um, so there's lots of young people we can bring in and then completely kill on the bench is what we're saying. That's, that's good. To, good to know. Um, yeah. We'll see how they, how the team does this. It's all so new people have teams have already started making plans with it, but you know, we learned about these three months ago and they only finally finalized it um, this week or announced it just uh, this week. Other little news is that Amos McGee, our friend uh, Amos McGee, interviewed for the DC United um, GM job, which went to um, Lucy. Is her name Ashton? I forget. Um, but she was the head of analytics for Atlanta United and um, was a really good hire by them. And now she's the GM of DC United, um, which is fantastic. Um, Amos McGee interviewed for them. Uh, he previously had been the assistant manager there. Um, it just makes me think like I really hope the team finds a way to value players like or not players um, guys like him there's there's certain resources that our team has right now that I hope that someone has a long-term vision of how those people get valued and, and kept around uh, I, you know I, I I don't know so that there is an institution at at the team that was like when I dreamed that Ico Paro would be kept around just so he could be a, a future head coach. But um, 
Minnesota United, in preseason news, Minnesota United had another blowout win in a friendly against um, Paris Saint-Germain. And did you guys know they played PSG? They beat them 5-1 to one in a friendly, yeah. um, which I believe happened, but I have no idea because the team played it in a black box and we don't know anything about their preseason. Yeah, uh, apparently Minnesota United was the first MLS team to be part of the UEFA Champions League. Only the so second weird. leg, though, was weird. So weird. So weird. And it was weird that it was not televised or even tweeted about. I did finally see a single um, highlight from uh, the preseason, which was fantastic. Got me extremely hyped. Uh, it was a it was um, uh, Justin McMaster's goal that was um, from a... a you know, it's just a give and go that um, went right through. Um, I think it was PSG or one of those teams. You know, so I, I forget. Fiorentina, I think, because they were in purple. Um. Anyway, so that that's that's kind of the the roundup of the news there. Um. Kind kind of also just say something, which is that like um I know it, it's a the 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 news cycle in, in the Twin Cities is uh, particularly tied up in a few major events going on. But I was just looking at the sports pages and like trying to figure out um, if there's any hype going into the season in going into a, a season that is one of the best professional teams in the state of Minnesota. They got to two semifinals last year, and um, there's just no freaking hype. There's just there's barely anything. There's uh, I don't know. It's wild. It, it's weird to think that um, you know the players are just not in the media and uh nothing is it's so I, I i i'm hyped myself i mean i think all the local media are still waiting for them to start preseason get matches yeah yeah they it, can pay attention to so yeah, i mean exactly. they're just waiting for preseason because no one really pays attention until the preseason matches start i mean this feeds the whole underdog dichotomy that that that, that heats embraces so perfect more of like an unknown dog. <laughs> More like an up dog, so that everyone says, "Don't what's up, dog? Don't don't don't." <laughs> if no one knows, about it, then all right. Before we break for the um, Minnesota United preview section, let's um, let's run down the watches. We've got uh, we've got Abila watch, which is one uh, Obi Wan one Obi Wan one. How do we do Obi Wan Chopi? Obi Wan Chopi. You can do that. You can't pronounce. You can't pronounce the names, but you know how to mess I, it's up. It's Star Wars related. It's, it just it's all right. natural for me. Okay, so Obi Wan Chope uh, watch has ended. So give us, uh, you know, tell us this. Yeah, we um, have a what should be our starting striker uh, at least for uh, this season. Uh, we kind of went through the details that were confirmed, not really confirmed. None of it was really confirmed at all, um, but. Uh, he is coming in on loan. Uh, like I said, we, we, you know, we, our 31 year old, often injured Kevin Molino, who led our team in scoring last year, is going to be replaced by a new leading scorer who's also 31 and often injured. It'll be great. Um, reports out of Argentina were like that they're the buy uh, option on him is like 4.5 million. But uh, I think I heard uh, Cal mention something on a podcast that like that number is blown huge and it's nothing near that. So, We'll see what happens. We have a striker at least. Yeah. Um, Rodrigo, yeah, and his name, yeah, and yeah. his name is Ramon Dario Avila. Avila, aka Wanchope. And there's been a AKA lot of people. Obi Wanchope, you're my only hope. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, people have been asking where he got his name, and there's a really cool story uh, in the internet by um, 
uh, Argentinian newspaper. And so apparently they interviewed him and uh, he's actually, uh, he was training with a team right when, uh, when pa Paolo Cesar Guanchope scored two goals in the, in the opening of the World Cup. And he, in training, actually has scored two goals. And then one of his friends, or one of his teammates, said that he was playing just like Guanchope. And it's stuck ever since. So That's like the, um, the guy who um, plays, I think he plays for Aston Villa in the EPL. Um, and, and his name is Trezeguet. And um, it's because, like, when he was young, people were like, oh, you play like uh, David Trezeguet, the, the French guy. And then the, now he's just called Trezeguet. And then, it's like that's on but, his jersey. But actually, at one point, uh, Paolo Wanchope actually visited Boca Juniors one time. And there's a photo op of him and, um, and uh, Ramon Lario Avila posing together. So, like, there's a really cool connection about that. So, there you go. That's where he got his name. So, um, and then we've got uh, Fragapane Watch. I think I'm I'm doing his name okay, Justice. Well, we're we're gonna work on this throughout the season. But Franco Fragapane, he's a left winger for um, uh, Talleres. Yeah, Talleres, yes. Yeah, and I haven't seen him uh, play at all. Like uh, Rodrigo, you said you've been watching him uh, on uh, Paramount Plus, but uh, he's 27 years old. And apparently is very, very close to being finalized. He won't come in by the um, Friday for the Seattle match, but they're hoping that um, soon that it'll be, I'll be finalized and done. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, not in this past uh, match state in the Argentinian League, but the previous one, he scored a goal in which was a, a, a give and go. And he was able to dribble through a couple of defenders and just, you know, shoot and, and followed his own ricochet to score. But he's, he seemed... Um, creative and he seemed um willing you know hustling so that's something that you would want to see specifically from the left side but who knows i mean i mean seems good i like other players in the argentinian league who would be the same maybe around the same price but you know that's i'm not complaining so just just quickly um um with that um jeff ruder had uh his uh q a on the athletic today and people should subscribe to the athletic um it's worth your while um and he said, uh, we'll talk about Hunu in a second, but he talked also about uh, Fragapane. And he said it, it's down to the finer details at this point. Um, won't be cleared for the, the opener, like you said, Mark. Um, but this seems to be something that's like in the works and, and moving, as opposed to, let's move to the next one, Hunu Watch. Yeah, it's still going. Um, I believe also in that same thing that uh, Jeff said that um, – it's probably looking more like a later this summer, like late May once his team you know finishes their season and whatnot. Um, so we'll see. And that actually, if it is late May, he could still come because the um, MLS transfer window has been extended. It's open until June first this year. So if they could actually work out some of the details ahead of time, which you would think that if they've been in you know talks this whole time, that they could work out those details ahead of time, uh, he could ideally sign before the transfer window closes on June 1st so that he has can come in and doesn't have to wait until, you know, July, I mean, a whole month. Like there's, there's only one month this season, basically until the end, until August where the transfer window isn't open. So. Yeah. I, and you know, Ren are well out of who knows club are, are well out of the Europa league chase now. Um, 
I think the last Europa League spot is fourth place. And that is Lyon, who have 64 points. Rennes have 48 points. Um, I think there's also playoffs, though, to get into it to as get well. In fifth. Yeah, and they're four points yeah. out of fifth place. You know, they're, So I think they're, they're falling pretty far back. Um, and they've got you know, Marseille above them uh, um, and, and Montpellier beneath them. You know, Montpellier are a better team than them. And so I think, yeah, I think maybe, maybe if they were closer to that spot, you could see them not even wanting to negotiate or, or get too far with who knew uh, and, and Minnesota United. But if, if they're well out of it, they might might as well start having that conversation. Who knows? Though? So something that I, that I think will play into this and it'll be interesting to see how we move our, like our, the chess pieces for our, our roster compliance, which is this Friday. Um, but um the one of the new updates for the 2021 rules and regulations is uh, there will be no change to a player's status as an international or domestic player on his club's roster following the opening of the secondary transfer window. So I think if if we're trying to move those chess pieces to get green cards um, and and qualify players as domestic players and not holding up an international spot, I think that's going to play a lot into how and when certain players come in because once that secondary window opens whatever your status is in terms of international or domestic you're going to be stuck with that through the rest of the season all right well let's take a break and then it's time to dive into the deep end On the 55 One podcast, it's preseason now. It's or a preview season. I gotta get into uh, full season mode. I'm not there yet, guys. I'm I'm I'm, I'm working on it. I'm I'm trying to. You're starting right, preseason pumping my arms here. Right. Your, your how, tolerance how was, isn't up yet. Yeah. How was that kettle kettlebell gym thingy? Yeah. Oh yeah, I went back to the gym for the first time in a year, and I put on probably 15 pounds during COVID. So. <laughs> definitely not my best and uh i am a ghost you're actually this is a ghost podcast um what's great is that i'm a poltergeist so i can still press buttons and record and i also can vocalize so those are the two most important parts for being a podcaster so i don't think being dead actually will hurt my status um which actually i had this thought if you guys died where would you haunt would you do you have a place that because I would definitely haunt I would be a ghost of Allianz Field, and like the groundskeeper. I mean, sometimes I mean, way to way to claim it. Late late at night, groundskeeper looks up and sees like me, just totally heckling and waving a flag, and just heckling heckling like an imaginary like also dead goalkeeper. Oh yeah, who's also haunting the the pitch. Yeah. Oh, if I was haunting Allianz Field, I would be like. The lonely guy sitting at the beer hall bar by myself, like reaching around and filling my own beer. Like, yeah, that's good. Not watching, which, not which, watching matches. Which because goalkeeper they, died in our stadium that I'm heckling? Sean Johnson uh, made some. Oh, yeah, it, it's, it's got to be. Sh- if if it's an opposing keeper, I think it's Sean Johnson from the from the 2019 home opener. Because Nick Romano died at TCF. But, at TCF, it's the goalkeeper who was uh, Romano. Who was oh no well yeah yeah because Christian Ramirez had like had his number but it was the guy who was replacing Tim Howard 
where Clint the, the dark clouds kept panting. Oh. Uh, you'll never be Tim Howard at the keeper, which is one of my favorite uh, goalkeeper taunts of all time. Or, the guy Darwin in the or is it the Toronto keeper that got chipped three times? Clint Warren, yeah. that's what I'm thinking. So no yeah. one died at Allianz? Do we think that any goalkeeper... No, didn't, sure. what happened to the Colorado keeper during the playoff match? There's something happened to him. I don't. This year, it doesn't. Yeah, I I, I don't remember anything it, from twenty twenty. No, nobody was there. Nobody was there. It was just it go, ghost supporters. It's, it's like about, preseason. What about Open Cup? Wasn't there like that seven to one? Cincinnati. Well, there's a Cincinnati match. There's a lot of stuff. You know what? There, a lot of goalkeepers are buried underneath. Oh yeah. yeah so field. I'm heckling them in my. De- Do you have a place that you guys would haunt? Would you haunt the stadium with me, or haunt somewhere else? I mean, I feel like I would be a little bit of a transient. Like ghost, you, you know. Don't think I, would, I would. If you died tomorrow, you wouldn't be at like uh, NPR, like just pushing knobs and then like. No, no, go. No, no way. Okay. God, no. Like, I mean, I I love it, but okay. I would. Would I? Would I just like haunt everyone's all like the member gifts, mm-hmm. like a little piece of me, like a little Horcrux <laughs> in every tote bag. <laughs> Oh, my wife will okay. kill you. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bring this back to the proper well, podcast. Oh, come on. No, I want to hear what Mike, Mike will also be at Allianz. Is that right? He'd no, be a, I'd, he'd I'd be at a brewery. I'd, I'd be at a brewery. I'd be at bad weather, let's be honest. Like, I would just be at bad weather, and they're like, they wouldn't even know I was a ghost. They just assume I never left. Yeah. He's got real tolerance, man. Mm-hmm. Um, huh. Rodrigo, do you have a place that you, you want to haunt? Um, hmm. Blackhawks training field. No, okay. don't want to do that. Um. Okay. Um. Harmar Mall. Perfect. Yeah, I mean, actually, most of the people there are ghosts anyway. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't know which ones alive, which ones aren't. So, okay. I'd, I'd be in the pet shop of Harmar Mall. Minnesota United, twenty twenty one. Here we go. Um, we're going to start by doing this, by doing just a rundown and look at the team as it is, uh, who's returning, etc. Um, I'll start first with, um, goalkeeping. Goalkeeping basically is the same, right? Um, we lost, um, Greg Ranjit Singh, who, who made a few appearances for the team. We, uh, did not add anyone in the off season. And so our, um, goalkeeping is, um, Dane St. Clair, uh, Tyler Miller, um, Adrian Zendejas, and then Fred Emmings. So not much to say there. We all think that uh, Dane St. Clair is the starter. Um, Corey, take us through the defense. What what happened there? Yeah, kind of kind of the same thing. Where it's I think we we brought in more more folks than we than we got rid of. Basically, just real quick, uh, Noah Billingsley returned, uh, announced today officially on loan to Phoenix. Um, Ico Parra, there's still some questions about that. I bet we'll have some resolution on that this week. Um, yeah, the team is trying to buy out, buy out his contract. And, yeah, yeah, that's that's what it's a Sam it's a Sam Cronin situation, is what I imagine. Um, we got Callum Montgomery, who we brought in, um, Baki Dubasi, uh, who will be probably out injured for the first match or a couple matches. Um, we have Brent Coleman, Michael Boxtall, um, Roman Metinier. Uh, and Chase Gasper. Some other newbies we have Raitala, we have DJ Taylor, uh, Kibin Gucci, um, 
Sean O. Uh, what was it? What was that? Something. O'Hearn. Yeah, Sean O'Hearn. Which um, we we haven't officially signed him, so he's still with Revs Revs Two, yeah, right? We won't see him. Yes, he no. he played uh, this weekend against <laughs> Fort Lauderdale and was actually the man of the match in their um, shutout win. Yeah, just Great. as a awesome. reminder, he was like drafted as someone who eventually would be brought in once he's once he's going to be brought into MLS. Then we have his rights, um, but. He right. was just going to be loaned out anyway, and so it was like, okay, yeah. we've drafted him. Yeah. He stays with Revs too, and nothing matters. Yeah, they, so. yeah, exactly. Um, we lost uh, James Musa, Marlon Hairston, and Aha. I think this is probably the the largest depth we've had in terms of center backs, left and right backs. Um, not a whole lot has changed here, other than the Opara situation, but that is pretty much the same as last season, as, aside from the first three. Uh, matches. Um, I think you know, Aha, I think, losing Aha is is the biggest note there in terms of difference from last year yeah. because yeah. he did play a, a decent role. We thought he was going to be not very good. Uh, he he, depu- he deputized pretty well, um, had a pretty good partnership with Boxel as center back until we brought, brought in Debasi. I think that Boxel Debasi partnership is going to be really great. Assuming that Debasi is going to be a center, like left center back, um, is he going to give Chase a run for his money? Is Raitala going to give Chase a run for his money? That's going to be the interesting thing to see. But I do feel much more um, confident in our ability to have depth if Roman McTenaire goes out for any reason, um, if Chase needs uh, a rest because he had a ton of reps last season. Um, you know, last season we were talking about who's going to fill in at right back. Is it going to be Dotson? Is it going to be Hairston? Who's it going to be? Um, I think those questions are are less ambiguous this season. So again, it's small. It's an evolutionary thing, not a revolutionary thing. Um, I think Boxel is going to be, you know, our rock in the in the in the back line again this year. So we're at an, an aging boxel which which we'll kind of get to but um let, let's yeah. do we separated central midfield from attack and the wing and the we we put the the wings and the attackers in in with the strikers so central midfield is is yours mark what run us yeah i'm um, returning from last year we have jacory hayes um ozzy alonzo jan gregus and hasani dotson um Leaving, and there's some overlap with the defense because they kind of fluctuated. But leaving, we also, James Musa is uh, moving on to Phoenix Rising. Marlon Harrison is going to Columbus Crew. And Sam Gladel is moving on to San Antonio FC. Um, coming in fresh this year is um, we signed Will Trapp as a free agent from Inter Miami uh, as a defensive midfielder. And we have, uh, as you said, Kibben Gucci, who is most likely a center back, but can also line up as a defensive uh, midfielder as well. And so, yeah, I mean, we're bringing back our core. And the nice thing is that by bringing in Will Trap, we kind of added depth at the one place where we were totally missing it last year, which is having someone who is can be a like a solid defensive midfielder backup for Ozzy or be the starting defensive midfielder and have Ozzy be a super sub kind of like come in when you're trying to hold on to a lead type of player instead. And the nice thing too, like as Corey mentioned about adding all the depth at defense is by adding all that depth at defense, you've also kind of added depth at central midfield with Hassani Dotson in that he's not going to be asked to play, you know, right back or left back anymore. 
hopefully with Will Trapp coming in, he's not going to be asked to play defensive midfield anymore. He can just be, you know, fighting with Jan Gregus for minutes to see who can be our number eight. And with how much Jan is going to be gone uh, with Euros and um, uh, World Cup qualifying and everything, and Hassan Dotson not being gone with the Olympic team, he should have ample opportunity to show himself and utilize those minutes and see what he can do. That leaves us with the attack, which um, I'll run down again. And, and Rodrigo, you give us the an analysis here. Um, we have uh, uh, Finley and Lud Reynoso um, coming back. Those are, you know, two or two right wing players, uh, and and then our number ten. We have Foster Langsdorf as the um, the striker coming back. Um, who I put the we can do an over under on whether we'll see him at all. <laughs> um, one. One appearance. Um, we lost um, Kevin Molino. That's the biggest the biggest loss here. Um, also really bummed to see that he's out for the first part of the season with his hamstring. We lost Tommy Chacon, um, Raheem Edwards, um, Luis Amaria, Aaron Schoenfeld, Kai Kamara. All of those guys, you know, Kai Kamara was probably the worst of that lot in terms of, well, him and Tommy Chacon were the worst of the lot in terms of the impact there. All of those guys had, had a decent uh, role in, you know, whether or not they were, they weren't, none of them were particularly successful, but except for Kevin Molino. Um, but we brought in, as we already mentioned, Ramon Abela, Juan Aguadelo, um, Patrick Wea is our homegrown player. Uh, again, whether we see him much this year, doesn't really matter, but um, Justin McMaster, who um, scored as we mentioned in that uh, in that preseason game from the left wing, Nico Hansen, who I think started the match on the left wing. So there we go. So Rodrigo, what 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 do we take from that? I I think what we can take is that we actually you know have some depth at the depth that we kind of been sort of looking for and like wanting to have, and I think. The question is who is 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 going to be more uh, um, more functioning on the left side and and who's going to be playing more on the right side. We've seen Lude work really well on the right side, but also play that false nine. Um, so with uh, with Agudelo and Wanchope, it's going to be who gets to start most of the games and who gets to step in and um, and relief and 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 see how. How that left plays out, I, I feel like I think Hansen will, will is doing decently during preseason from what we've not been able to see, and I think McMaster. You can just imagine how good he is. He <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I just imagine all the time, you know. And then, um, and then you have McMaster's who previous to last year would have been a top, top uh, Adidas Adidas homegrown, right? It would have mm -hmm. been an Adidas player if um, if he didn't have an injury. So, and. I think one of the things too is just how Wanchope uh, as a, as a number nine is also being able to pull defenses, but also make really decent passes. And I think that's one of the things that one of the highlights that was released is, is when McMasters was able to center the ball uh, to Wanchope at top of the eighteen, and then McMasters continued his run, and Wanchope was able to put it right in front of him to be able to do stuff. Stuff like that gets you excited, right? Yeah, they should release more of that. They should let us watch games. That'd be awesome. Um, so let, let's talk about what we see, how we see this team playing out. Because um, I, I do want to, 
I hear what you're saying about rotate uh, um, or depth in this attack, um, Rodrigo. But I also look at this at that list of people and think it is very easy to imagine that only of that attacking group, uh, excluding Finley, Lud, and Reynoso, right? Of the new people, Abila, Agadello, Wea, McMaster, Hanson, that next season only Wea is here, which, which. Um, maybe signing Hunu will will change that, but like our attack has been like it's just a just a uh, like rotating cast of attackers and strikers coming in and out. And um, at some point, I would like a player who I can cheer for for more than a season, you know. Other than like it's basically just been like Jan Gregus, um, who's the. Who's the longest tenured starter at this point? Boxel. Boxel. Box, did Boxel yeah. get into the team before Jan? First season. Yeah, okay. yeah he was uh, 2017. He was that summer transfer window. Okay. All right. I, yeah. I totally forgot. Okay. So Boxel. And Boxel's a great dude. I like him. Yeah. But he's I also- mean, I'm, I, I, I agree with you. Um, I think when we do bring in Marzipan at some point and... <laughs> um, don't know how to it, so don't, like, don't have to learn how to say their names if you just make up new ones. That's the secret. Exactly. Guys. That's that's the secret. That's the uh, yeah yeah. You don't win Peabody's by learning names. Um, yeah, right. No. <laughs> uh, the the thing that that's interesting to me is so one of the things that we've talked about in previous seasons is what is our backup plan? What is our secondary formation? What is our secondary team? Um, and I think we're at the point now where. Obviously, Heath prefers the four-two-three-one. That's our in our DNA. That's our dynamic. That's how we're going to play. I think at this point, we almost have an entire rotation of a team who can play in that formation. And whether that means it's a four-two-three-one where we bring in Finlay and put Lude as a false nine, great. We know that that can work with this team. Whether it's you know a Wanchope or a Agadello up top as a nine. Um, if it's a Nico Hansen on the left or a, an incoming DP left winger, um, you know, it's, we, we have those like, those like for like replacements or those slightly, the, or those slight tactical tweaks, like using a false nine instead of a true hold up style striker. Um, that's, I think, the difference this season with, with this lineup and this depth. Um, so what we're going to see in terms of this uh, this lineup, we I think we can pretty much agree, and then I'll lay it out, and then you guys argue with me. Um, Dane St. Clair's starting, and then um, we've got um, Ramon Metinier at the right back, um, Michael Boxall. Um, Debassi is injured, and so I think this, this Friday when we see the team kick off against Seattle, we'll have Brent Coleman there. Um, and then we've got Chase Gasper at left. Uh, Ozzy will start in the midfield next to Jan Gregush, and then we'll have Reynoso in the number 10 role. Um, then here's probably where, where we will argue about what it will look like. Um, but the ideal, maybe, I'm going to say, is Lud on the right, Hansen on the left, and then, uh, and then Finley comes on as a sub. And, and then we've got either... Agadella or Wanchope, maybe Wanchope is not 90 minutes ready. He has been, I mean, he has been in season uh, in, in South America. So, but what, 
what am I getting wrong there? Or what, what, what are the question marks at least? I, I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, all the way up to the striker. Um, I think Lud on the right, based on um, all of the mysterious ghost preseason matches that we have or have not been able to get information about, um, Lud has started on the right. I think that uh, he has proved himself there. I think Heath has come around. Um, I think it's. Uh, I, it makes me wonder if part of Heath's um, man management is, hey, did they start there in preseason and then you're stuck there? Um, but I, I do think it's going to be Lute on the right, Reynoso in the 10. I, I do think it's going to be Hanson on the left, at least until we bring in someone else. Um, he scored some goals. He's got some assists uh, in preseason. Not that it matters, but I, I think that chemistry is at least there. Um, I, I'm i on the fence about who will start up top, um, whether or not... Um, Agadello is is a full you know full ninety, or Wancho Bay is going to be a super sub, or he'll start for the first half and then we'll get swapped out. Yeah, but, my only thing. Oh, sorry, you go, go for sure. No, you go, go ahead, ahead, Mark. Oh, Jesus uh, my only Christ! Thing, <laughs> most Minnesotan. <laughs> Mark, please speak now. All right. Uh, my only thing is like, I actually think that um, if Wancho Bay does actually start at the striker, that we would most likely see Agadello. Um, on the left wing, just because he's the most experienced, especially going up against Seattle in Seattle, I could just see him like going leaning more towards experience than you know whatever we saw in preseason replacing Hanson. But yeah, um, I mean, I, I actually probably think that Trap might be better for um, the defensive mid spot, but getting Ozzy to not play in Seattle is with fans there now is next to impossible. So. I definitely think Ozzy's going to start there. I just don't see how in that and and what Mark was talking about how Goodello plays on the left with you take away your other forward and you you're willing to because we I I just don't feel like Wanchope is going to give us ninety minutes. I think depending on what his contract says, he's going to be some in somewhat of a pitch count, right? He's going to be probably giving us sixty minutes whenever he can. And I, I, I don't, I just don't see how I want to switch him out for not, for for someone else, and not have Agudelo as a backup, unless you're willing to put Lude when he come, both of those come out, and then put in Hansen and McMaster. I think McMaster is going to be a change of pace guy. Um, I think that's what I'm looking forward to seeing if that's if that plays out. Is is not only youth, but uh, he has something to prove, but. He's he's a pretty good he's a damn good player and so like he just needs to uh, get the opportunities and seems to have from from what we have not seen seems to have some sort of rapport with 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 a lot of the attacking uh, players. No, I totally agree, and I also think that um, Hansen is going to be a, kind of a similar kind of player as well. In that, uh, my ideal is that uh, Hansen and Finley are the ones that are coming on as subs, and they're the ones that are just like bullet speed running at tired legs in the 75th minute on like I, that's what i would love to see do you think and they're it, do you think they're going to play be a little less um you know uh, part of that like chaotic fluid attack and be more of those like vertical wingers who are literally just for speed yeah and also i could see them very much cuz i mean like last year they've uh he's very much wanted to play um a uh, very high, a high press with all the attackers pressing very hard, 
And Juan Chope is not going to be pressing hard. He's not going to be doing that. He's 31. He so is old. kind oh. of... He, well, he's built like a brick too. I mean, like he's going to be pressing hard into a CPAP. Yeah. Like, I mean, the only way I see like a high press working is if we have like Babalo and then like the two wingers pressing really hard. And he's just like the guy occupying space in between the defenders where like when the press works, he's just open and just trying to stay on sides. Like that's how I see the high press working with him. Uh, and so, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Like, if we're looking for a goal, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But like ideally late in the game, I would love to see, you know, utilizing our subs, rotating guys and attacking tired legs. Like it seems very obvious, but we have, he hasn't done it yet. And I feel like Finley and I mean, Hansen or I mean, even McMaster uh, could very well be those kind of subs where you're just like killing guys just on the, on the wings. This, this is aspirational. We all know that Lud is starting on the left and Finley's starting on the right and uh, Agudelo is starting up top. So you it's guys can true. I was not going to say I was like, yeah. when he's like, anybody disagree? I was like, oh, don't it, say it. It's and look, too I, I, will, I, will, I will say this. Um, um, Lud is better on the right, but uh, it may be starting off. We didn't see Lud as much on the left when uh, Reynoso finally came in. And I think that uh, the problem is that Lude was also having to create and try to score goals. Um, I, I think Lude on the left at this point, as opposed to early last season, I'm more okay with it now than then because I think it, he plays a different role there now. Um, Reynoso is just that good. And it's so amazing to watch how much people praise the shit out of him now. Of course, I did have to constantly hector all of the mls uh realtors but <laughs> i got them i got them on on uh, team baby low um so now that we've done that i want to talk about these these central questions i have here in 2021 success for minnesota united will be what how do you want to define success mark hardware something whether that's a u.s open cup uh, a server that, that they can put their website on, just something. right, yeah. whatever uh, you know, a, a nice jump drive. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, like hardware like, cup or you would supporter cup. Shield I mean, we can or, count Western or, supporter shield, Western conference. I mean, Western conference, like champion, you can count that as a, whatever. No, sorry, you can. no, the That's only fine. three things that will count. I'm going to define this officially MLS cup, US Open cup, supporter shield. Everything else is, yeah. is all right. What's the hard agree? Then I'll add hardware plus making it to MLS Cup. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, one, it's open, one step. It's one step because, further than last because season. It, because I mean, and basically, if we make it to MLS Cup, that means we beat LAFCs, and so that is pretty amazing. Yeah. So, um, anyone else have a have a metric that you're going to use to define that by? I just don't get why everyone's so obsessed with like having this is what our fourth year, right? Mm -hmm. And so like mm -hmm. like I followed teams and you know, six, seven years and you're like, okay, this is this is good. I mean, four years, you know, I I, I don't I don't get this like easy or fast uh satisfaction or gratification thing that the people are always like well, hardware or bust. No, I don't think well, so. We're saying like last this year, is what success is. I think success is fourth place. That's what I think it is. But that's what we've done the last two years. I mean, I think fourth place is 
So here's here's the three categories of things that I want to define. One is <laughs> this was a successful year, a great year. The other is a pretty good year. You know, it's in the like this was good. You know, if we finish X, you know, if we finish second, if we get to another semifinal, it was a good year. It was not a successful year, is is what we're saying. Um, and you can disagree here, Rodrigo, because the next question I'm going to ask you is what is failure? Um, but you're going to say if we finish fourth place this year and don't win a playoff game, you'll be like, you know what? We had a successful season. No, I, I think okay. I think if we are fourth place, win a playoff game, get to the Western Conference Finals, and um, you know if we if we lose, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset about that. I think that's a that. That's a good. That that's a that's You'd a good feel spot very for me. satisfied with that. You'd be like, that I would be. Was I would feel Great satisfied. I would be okay, okay with that. I'd be fine. Okay, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna define it as hardware or uh, you said hardware plus MLS Cup final. I think. I, I, I mean, think you technically, mean you do get right? a trophy for winning the Western Conference Final. I don't care. I do I'm not care. I, technically, I will you not do drink get hardware. beer out of it. I won't drink beer out of it. And that's all. I mean, that's, can, it's a cup. You can. I won't. I have standards. They probably won't let you either way. Well, so 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 here's the thing: like hardware, hardware is the, the far and away the, the the clearest marker of what we all think a success would be, because that's the next step, right? It's we we went to the Western Conference Final, we lost in stoppage time, we literally got as close to the Cup game as we could, and we still lost. Obviously, getting to the Cup is going to be huge. Um, Again, same thing with the U.S. Open Cup. Supporter Shield, same deal. Um, I will say if we finish first in the West, yes, it doesn't mean anything because of the playoffs. It doesn't mean, you know, you could still go into the first, second round and choke. Um, but I do think finishing first in the conference is a success for this yeah. team in terms of like a metric that is different for the regular season. Cause I think you, you do have to separate the regular season from the playoffs a little bit in some way, shape or form um, similar to how you would with the supporter shield from the MLS cup. Um, you know, I, I don't, I think, I think Philly, Philly fans from last year. Yeah. They didn't make it to the cup, but they're really happy with the supporter shield. They were the best team in the, in the regular season last year. And to get either that or or for us to say, you know what, we've always been upper mid table in the West to say that we won the West, which has Portland, Seattle, LAFC, SKC. That's a huge accomplishment for us. And I think that would be a success in addition to the hardware, which I would prefer okay. having to, to define it as a success. So then the opposite question is, in 2021, the minimal expectation is, meaning everything underneath this, is a failure of a season. Top four. What? Minimal expectation is top four, right? Yeah, top four and um, uh, um, oh, oh, first round, a first round playoff win. That's so, minimum. So if we got to the playoffs and lost in the first round, it would be a failure of a season. Rodrigo, are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that I think, but that's what we've been saying. We've been saying mm -hmm. is. We want a top four finish and a playoff win. I mean, that's how we measured from last year, right? And that's how we did better than mm -hmm. last year. We did two better than last year. So I think that's that's how you measure the the minimum, right? I mean, if we don't get into the playoffs, that's that's going to be a big uh, a big deciding factor as to what happens next with this team, right? 
Yeah. And yeah, also, I, 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 go ahead, oh, Mark. I was, was going to say, also, our uh, roster is very much kind of a win now roster as well. We're, I mean, Boxel is not, Boxel is our best center back right now. He's not getting any younger. Um, you know, Ozzy, granted, we've kind of found a backup slash replacement when Will Trap, hopefully, but not getting any younger. Like, but he's no Ozzy. Right, Will Trap is no, and no, he's a different sex. Bakai Debasi is thirty-one. You know, yeah, Debasi and Debasi is actually the same age as Michael Boxall, isn't he? Ramon Metnier is thirty-one. No, the thirty-one and Boxall is. Uh, didn't we say he's thirty-four now? No, he's not that old. Doesn't matter. Like they're they're 32. over thirty, which means they're they're basically necromancers. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, <laughs> but I I think. Getting if it's if it's if you're not top four, it's a failure. If you get into the playoffs and lose, it's a failure. I think if you, like for us, I think our baseline at this point we've established moving forward, top four, uh, hope preferably a home playoff win in that first round, otherwise a bye, um, is our baseline, and anything below that is is a failure of a season. So. Talking about that back line and other things, I want to. My last question here is: If Minnesota fail, the most likely reason will be what? I'll say the obvious. Yeah, say the obvious. We didn't decide. uh, Babelo is got injured and can't do twenty assists this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The the nice thing is, we're not saying Babelo isn't very good, right? I think we we saw what Babylo could do with half a season and not yeah. even having fully acclimated to the to the team and the league. The real question is, yeah, like it like any year, there's always a, a question about any player's health. So if we don't have Babylo, then what do we do? How do we what is the team how does the team create goals? Because we don't have Molino to to draw upon. We don't know what uh, Marzipan is going to be like. Do you, you want me to? Do you want me to say what I think we should do? I, 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 think, think, we should, I think we should. No, I, I, I think this is where you. This is, and this ties into what I think will be one of the reasons that we will fail this season is if you do have a tactical disadvantage, and whether that's a, a Bebelo needing, um, you know, Reynoso needing a rotation, needing some rest. Because we will play the shit out of him. Um, what is the creative alternative, or what is our what is our low block look like? What does that alternative lineup look like? And we've never been able to answer that. Um, as much as I earlier in this in the show said, you know, we have a four two three one, and we have a lot of depth in that configuration. What does the tweak of that configuration look like without a like conductor magician number 10, where you might have a more traditional, um, you know, is it, is it, is it Ozzy with two eights in the, in the midfield? Is it a Dotson Gregoosh in the midfield as like a four, three, three, or a, a four, two, three, one, where you do deploy someone like Dotson, who is a Swiss army knife. Can we embrace that tactically um, with our personnel? That, not without one like, Chope or Hunu becoming a massive goal scorer. Yeah, and, and and that's exactly right. But if you're gonna bring them in, like that's kind of the expectation anyway. 
you know, like they, they have that instinct and they also need to step up too. But it's, it's how can you unlock them or how can you leverage the skill set of the roster that you have and make those subtle tweaks to take the pressure off of the 10 and whether it's, you know, dual eights with a six sitting in front of the back line, what does that look like? If we can figure that out, I think we can grind out some wins and get into the playoffs. But if we can't do that, that's why we'll be a failure. If Minnesota fails, the most likely reason will be we can't score goals. Okay. And why? That's, why, that's, why, why that's, wait, do you mean we can't score more goals than our opponents? Yeah, probably that too. I mean, I think the, the thing is, is just, it's like in, in this formation, right? If, if Reynoso, for some, you know, we, we do the Reynoso got hit by a bus scenario, right? And he has to take some time off because yeah. he got if, Regina George. If we've seen the, uh, we see in, in the small window of like data that we have from him from last year, we know that he doesn't A, shy away from contact and B, he gets fouled a lot. Right, people go for his ankles all the time. One way or the other, something is going to happen. Whether he is going to have to get some rest just to keep him safe, or he's going to get injured. The only thing that really thinks is Lude has played a ten before. Could play a ten. We've seen glimpses of what Hayes can do as an attacking uh, centerpiece, um, trying to make those connecting passes and those and those passes that, that make us go or attack forward quickly. I think those are two options that you could use, but I think what's most important is even if we have those things, if we can't have someone that can finish or score on our wings, we can't we can't we can't really be that reliable on that. So you know what we need to do? We need to go to a triple pivot. We're just going to have so many pivots. Uh, we're going to have Ja'Cory Hayes, Jan Gregus, and Dotson. And they're going to all rotate between being a six and being two number eights. No one's going to know what is what, who's going where. Everyone's just running around and feeding balls in. And that'll be the thing. I'll, I'll say this. This is where this is where I want to be a little bit positive because that, that like thinking about Reynoso going out is a little doom and gloom. When When you look at Will Trapp, we've talked about how he we we brought him in he's a different kind of six has much more uh, accuracy with his long ball rodrigo brought up a really great point jacory hayes had probably some of the silkiest assists from last season mm-hmm. um we know what dotson can do in the midfield if we can unlock that skill set in order to provide those chances for our forwards and our wingers i think we'll be okay it won't be our preferred option but i think we would be okay in that scenario so I'm going to answer this question. If Minnesota fail, the most likely reason will be um, Boxall. Boxall um, and our center back uh, depth. Um, because I don't know much about Callum Montgomery. Um, um, Brent has never stayed fit. And, um, you know, he hurts his leg, which is why he doesn't kneel or something like that. Um, and Debassi has been injured. And and so I look at that now and think... Um, you know, with Debassi out, how absolutely fragile our, our center back line is. And we have a lot of good defensive pieces in there that help the center back line. Uh, you know, I think Aha did a pretty good job. He's not a great center back, but he did a pretty good job of not making too many mistakes. And then he's got enough good pieces around him. But Boxall is the 
the centerpiece of that, right? I mean, Dane made some good save, great saves last year, and he's a v- great goalkeeper, but he's still young, and um, we shouldn't be forcing him to make that many saves. And if we lose Boxall, then we are screwed. Um, I think you know Reynoso is the the correct choice here, but Boxall is right is you know so, the next bullet point for me of. Our defense needs, you know, once we get Hunu and um, and Fragapane in, we now need to sign. We now need to spend the all of our scouting time looking for center backs and more center backs and more center backs. No, I totally agree, especially with the amount of uh, roster cap space that, or salary cap space that we're going to be saving if if we do end up buying out uh, Ike's contract. Mm-hmm. He's on a very large TAM contract. And if we could use that TAM money to bring in a center back who ideally would still be in their 20s, which would be nice for a center back, um, that should definitely be, that's definitely our biggest need going into like the July transfer window. Once you, ideally, if you can take care of the attack before the um, transfer window, the, this one closes in, on June 1st, and then the biggest need going into the um, summer transfer window would be a center back. And if you could do that, I think we'd be in a very good position because the stretch comes in August and on for like when you have like the most like of the double matches per week and all of that. And going into the playoffs, if you could do that, I think we're in a good spot going into the playoffs. Can I but, give you my big bong rip of here's what I would do? I want to hear it. Yeah. I would, uh, I would send $1 million in GAM for Justin Glad to Real Salt Lake. They're a shitty team. They could use lots of things. Take Justin Glad, put him at the center, you know, build around him. Um, I don't think he, he's a, a very good player, but he's he's in that like Aaron Long. Is he going to go to Europe? Probably not type uh, space. I would get a Justin Long, a Tim Parker, and or a, sorry, Justin Glad and Aaron Long, a Tim Parker, one of those guys in that space, and I would I would lock them in and make them your your center back for the next seven years. I completely agree. Yep. So, um, anyone else have a, a an option of why we would fail of things that that really worry you that are keeping you up at night? All right, center back no, thing no is keeping me hams. up at night. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. Ooh, with you. Wait, wait, wait! You just uh, you just said some magic words. I, did, I, I, I just said no five dollar hams, but that's about all the time we have yeah, for the second. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. All I right. actually had my first hams last week. So that was your first hams. God, how honestly this 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 fucking pandemic, how we haven't gotten together, and I haven't just handed you a hams is just ruining everything. You had and- your first yingling too, but then I broke it in my backyard. <laughs> I barely even <laughs> sipped a thing. Yeah. Well, that's, that's it. it. You just get one brief sip. That was actually, all right. That makes so much more sense now because I didn't know it was an actual yingling that you were broke in the backyard. I thought yeah, it was, it was, it was my last yingling. It was the end of the night and I brought it out. I was, I had had at least some and, uh, and, and so <laughs> dropped it, you know? So, oh, well. Um, so let, let's just finish up on this segment with, with this. The first three matches, um, Seattle away, Real Salt Lake at home, Austin FC uh, at home. The the eight teams with the best points per game of those three matches qualify. Um, how, how are you feeling? 
Uh, we need seven points. So draw in Seattle and then win the next two. I mean, I I don't think it's crazy to say that that is a, a, a not that optimistic. Like that's a pretty baseline thing, right? Maybe we'll lose in Seattle and six points is, is what yeah. we get. But we I mean, should be real Salt Lake We start off the season really well last year. Maybe we have the same kind of thing. But yeah. hopefully there's not another pandemic though. So well, let me say this. Um, we're going to go to a break in a second and come back, but I will say um, Friday uh, at 8, or I think it's 8.30, Seattle, we will have it on at the bar. Um, please come out if you're feeling comfortable. I know that it's going to be a pro- progress uh, of, of more and more people getting vaccinated, feeling comfortable coming out. If you're not feeling comfortable, just don't come out. It's it's definitely, like, I think it'll just freak some people out, and if you're vaccinated, it'll still be weird, but... Anyway, I'm very much looking forward to watching it with you. Um, wa- looking forward to watching it with you, comrades. I assume you don't have better plans, right? You like? I, I have. I, I have nothing. Oh, shit. Rodrigo's not coming. Wait, is it a late start too? What time is the game? It's eight thirty, man. It's not late. Oh, bedtime is at eight for the kids. If I could convince Lindsay to let me out of the house, it'd be awesome. It's the first game of the season. Tell Lindsay it's the first game of the season, man. I know. Put her on the podcast right now. No. All right. Anyway, it'll be great to see you people out there. She has the best, um, she has the best radio voice out of all of us, so it's fine. <laughs> so she really does. It's, she's, it's yeah, she's better. Um, all right. Let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we're going to look at the rest of MLS. Back on the 55-1 podcast. Okay, here we go. We are going to look at the Western Conference of MLS. Not really like comprehensive, just because we don't want to kill your brains. No one really wants to hear us talk about fucking Real Salt Lake. No one wants to talk about Real Salt Lake. Um, no one wants to talk about Houston Dynamo because they're benching Christian Ramirez, so and they suck. But what we decided to do is we are feeling really high on Minnesota United. Um, we're going to talk about where we think they finish, but we want to talk about the teams that were around them. And just a reminder, I don't know if you guys remember this. In 2020, Kansas City won the West, which is kind of crazy because I was still thinking they were bad. Um, and I still think they are kind of bad, and yet they somehow won the West. But it was um, SKC, Seattle, Portland, and then us. And then LAFC, we've decided, are, are the other team I think we think are, are challenging for that top four. Um, so how has SKC done over the last offseason? Where do we think they'll be? Corey, why don't you tell us about SKC? Yeah, so Kansas City, um, it, it their biggest issue this season is going to be the same thing that they've had the last couple of seasons, which will be their defense, their back line. Um, they traded away Ike Opara to us. Um, he was a big presence in their locker room. And uh, Matt Beasler last season also provided that uh, level of leadership. Um, they lost him as well. Uh, they did bring in um, Nicolas Ismat Mirin, a French center back, along with Remy Walter, a French midfielder. Um, they're kind of unproven. We don't know exactly what their chemistry is going to look like. Uh, I certainly haven't been following their preseason. Um, so that is going to be their biggest, uh, Achilles heel. Uh, that's going to be the biggest thing that can exploit them. Uh, Peter Vermees has had money. They spent it on Alan Polito and a couple of other players. 
Uh, their attack looks really good and really potent. That's what got them to the top of the West last season. Um, but their their defense again, if we if that that can be exploited, or if it breaks down, or if the chemistry is not what they hope it's going to be, um, that's going to be their biggest weakness. I do think that um, all things uh, considered, it is probably a net positive from last year. Um, they're a slightly more well-rounded team, but it's it's the same issues that we've seen the last couple seasons. Do you do you have I don't know. Do you think that they'll um, that we'll finish above them? I do. Yeah. I think we'll finish above them. I think we have their number from from beating beating them in the playoffs last year with um, you know I don't want to say like a, a a tired team, but a depleted team. Uh, uh, we you know Reynoso wasn't in his full Super Saiyan form yet, so it's um, yeah. I think I think I think we we like if you're just looking at the stats and the depth and the talent, I think we have an edge on them. I think it will be um, probably our toughest one of more of our more tough competitions this season in the West. Yeah. They're in the yellow pages. We've got their number. Um, so uh, Seattle Sounders, Rodrigo, we give this to you because, well, for obvious. Rui Diaz reasons, but um, they finished second last year. So what do they look like now? That's going to be a really interesting thing to find out. I mean, I, I think losing, um, losing one of their top players from last year is, is, is going to be something that really uh, hinders on who's going to be able to play, fill in that role. I mean, for Jordan Morris, you mean? Yep, exactly. I mean, they they added Freddy Montero, Cullen Rowe, you know, uh, they lost uh, Jovin Jones, Kevin Learman, Gustav Svensson, right? I mean, getting back with you still haven't bringing back Freddy Montero has real like um, going to your tenth uh, high school reunion and uh, getting back together with your high school girlfriend vibes, where it's just just like the the, the beer made you think it was a good idea, but. It wasn't a good idea. I don't know. That that's that's my my Freddie Montero joke. I want to make. Thanks, thanks. That was <laughs> Sorry, really keep going, keep joke. going. <laughs> right, I, I'm I'm so laughing right now, and like I got the joke right just because. Yeah. Whoa. Anyways. Okay. Anyways, um, you're looking, you know, with Rui Diaz and Freddie up top, Nick. Nicoladero is still being um, seen in glue. You have to, I, I'd be more interested in seeing what Joe Paulo does this season more than last year, first year. You have the Roll Don brothers. Um, and I think uh, you have one of the best keepers in the league, right? I think their, um, their issue is going to be trying to create offense and fluidity in that, um, in that midfield. That was so dangerous on a counterattack. That was so accurate, and 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 Nico is going to be key in that. I think he's going to have to step up more than I, anything else. And Rui Diaz is actually going to have to win the Golden Boot Watch because if you can't score more than you know eight, nine, ten goals during the season, it's 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 not going to be a good good debt. So I don't I don't I see them competing for a 
if I if I can interrupt this with a news flash, <laughs> I just saw a post of a quote from Brian Schmetzer on Nico Ladero saying that uh, he's day to day, but uh, he won't be uh, ready for Friday at least. So, just in terms of facing us, they'll be out missing Nico Ladero and Jordan Morris. And that's that makes it even more. That's going to help our U.S. Open prospects. Mm-hmm. Yep, it is. I think that that will do. And I think, I think I, you know, I don't, I don't see them being top four. I probably see you maybe struggling and trying to figure out maybe the six or seven range, and then just making it to the playoffs, and then, and then from then figuring out hopefully hitting forms to to do something. But it, they, they, they have some things that they can work on. Um, but you just don't know how that midfield is going to to respond. After losing Jordan, so yeah, yeah. They, I mean, every team. The funny part about every pre preview that you read or think about when you think about team, you can look at them and convince yourself on paper like this is a great team, or this is a bad team. But in MLS, like we've seen Colorado Rapids uh, almost win the Supporter Shield as a as a garbage team, or as a you know with <laughs> so many players who are now no longer really starters. And um, and then it suddenly becomes clear, like, oh, yep, this they have this big gap in there, right? Um, you can look at some of these teams and you're like, oh, that that can work, and you can convince convince yourself they're good, and then but they have an Achilles heel, and that's what I I think, you know, when I think back to that question about Minnesota of, of what we were thinking about, it's like I think this is a great team. I think we're all feeling really good, but it's like most teams, it's just a little bit, a hair's length away from not being a good team or being in shambles. But um, do you guys think uh, the the others, um, Corey and Mark, do you think Seattle is uh, is going to finish above us? Maybe we should just interrupt halfway through and say what we think the top four is going to be. Uh, yeah. yeah. For me, uh, I think the top four is going to be, the top three are going to be LAFC, uh, Minnesota and Portland are going to be battling for the number two spot and Seattle and SKC are going to be battling for the number four spot. And then following them is going to be Colorado and Dallas somewhere. So Colorado and Dallas might flip for the fifth and sixth spot. Seattle SKC might flip for the fourth and fifth spot and Minnesota and Portland might flip for the second and third spot. And I think LAFC is pretty solid at the top. Yeah, I've 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 got LAFs. I, I just did straight top four. I I do think I agree with you on um who's going to be fighting for those two, three, and then four, five slots or three, four slots. But my top four, I do have LAFC, Minnesota United, Seattle in three, and Kansas City in fourth. Yeah, I I see. Um, I, I can convince myself of anything right now. Previously, I wrote Seattle, Minnesota, Portland, LAFC. Um, I don't believe that anymore, and that was I wrote that three hours ago. So, um, I do think that we will come second. Um, I think that it's just going to be a dogfight for those four. I don't think C- SKC will be still be up there. I think that they're going to struggle a lot more this year. Um, I, yeah, I think you know SKC is. is- as uh, Corey pointed out, not only defense, but keeping Polito healthy and actually him um, being able to produce is, is probably a big, a big part of that. And I think that's, that's one of the things that, you know, it keeps him iffy out of the top four for me. I think, I think, I think SKC traps, 
drops to the fifth spot. And for me, I I, I have faith in in the, in the homegrown aspect of it. So I I, I see like as my dark horse pick. Cause I, I I really see Dallas making a move, maybe even taking fourth. Um. So my team, the third place team, I'm going to talk about the Portland Timbers um, because I love Giovanni Severisi. Um, they are continuing to hum along with what they had, basically. Last year, they were a very good team. Um, they especially came good toward the end. But they've got their Venn diagram of Diego Valeri, Diego Chara, Yimmy Chara, um, that, that Venn diagram midfield. It doesn't matter that the two Diegos are, are like reaching Wilford Brimley in cocoon age. They're still freaking good. And like maybe this is the year that their catalytic converters drop out, but they haven't previously. And so probably not. I think they're both like 38 or 50. Um, they both have diabetes. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Got to make a diabetes joke. Um, they they, uh, they added a few small role players like Claudio Bravo, who's a young fullback, um, but they didn't really add that many players this year. They added um, Minnesotan Ish Jome, who we talked about. Um, they're obviously just a really good team. They're well coached, um, they're very deep. Um, I don't know much about their center backs, to be honest. The they're guys who I just like, I didn't really pay attention to last year. And so, um, but other people say they're good. I, I just look at this team and think like, there's no reason Portland will be outside of the top three. Seattle could finish in sixth or first. Um, Portland are finishing first, second, or third. LAFC are finishing maybe first to fifth, right? Those are the ranges. Minnesota could be, I think, first to fifth as well um so those are the the what i'm thinking about um looking back at 2020 for portland their defense was middle of the pack um their attack was the second best but what what was interesting about it is that no one on the team had double digit goals um and so that kind of surprised me um yeah so i think the question for me is portland are not going to drop are we going to be better than them um i think maybe but you know, if Portland were number one this year and we were number two, um, in fact, actually, that's now what I'm going to say. Portland number one, us two, and LAFC three, and Seattle four. I've totally rearranged my order here, but fuck it, <laughs> it's my podcast. How, um, so, do you do you think LAFC is successful if a twister doesn't figure out how to step up in their midfield? Hey, let the guy talk about LAFC first. Well, yeah, let's get to LAFC because I, I, they're just such a weird team. So yeah, get, give us give us the scoop here, Mark. All right. So as we know, uh, they finished seventh in the Western Conference last year. Um, they were eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. They lost three one to Seattle, but then following that, they went on and they actually made it to the finals of the um, Concacaf Champions League, and they lost to Tigers. Uh, they're basically bringing back like their core of the team that came back from or that went to CCL finals. Um, going through it, like goalkeeper is kind of one of their weaknesses. They have uh, they either have Kenneth Vermeer or Pablo Stisnigua, and basically, uh, Vermeer. God, he's like ten years older than Pablo, and so and they both have their faults in that. Um, 
Vermeer was supposed to be the guy. Um, had some issues last year. Pablo came on, did okay, and then got hit with COVID. And then Vermeer was kind of the go-to guy during the um, CCL run. So who there is going to be their starting keeper is kind of up in the air, but it's probably going to be Vermeer. Um, defensively, they did a lot of work upgrading their defense in the offseason. Um, last year in 2020, they were still really much – really recovering from trading um, Zimmerman and just the instability of their back line after, um, you know, trading him to Nashville. And, but coming back for this year, they have uh, Eddie Segura, who is a potential MLS defender of the year. He's looking great. He's coming back. Um, Diego Palacios. Palacios uh, is coming back. He's only 21 um, as a fullback. They um, signed to a permanent deal, Jesus uh, Maria, Mario, who is coming back. Uh, he was on loan. Yeah, uh, this is it's going to be a, a thing. We've already but deleted the section where you where you butchered everyone's, everyone's name. Everyone's name. Yeah, it's fine. I, I tell I, I I can barely speak English, let alone any sort of pronunciation outside of. I mean, I, I read everything. Anyways, That's we're right. going on. Should I, should I bring Santi over and have him read the roster? Of that would be ideal, like, actually. We'll, I should just, send him my we'll notes. do it and I'll edit it in. No, don't make me do that. <laughs> no. Uh, so uh, Maria is coming back, is coming in on a permanent deal. He's there uh, after doing very well last year on loan. Um, in the offseason, uh, they signed a South Korean fullback, um, Kim Moon, who is uh, coming in. He should start. Um, and they also have Tristan Blackman, who is a uh, depth piece, uh, center back and fullback. And in the offseason, they also signed uh, Marco Farfan from Portland, who can also play in fullback. So they're doing, re- they're looking really good at defense, which was their weak spot last year. Uh, Central mid is super solid as always. Uh, the only real these question- names is like makes you realize how stacked they are of having um, K. Uh, Blessing and Atuesta in that central midfield. And then right. above, in front of them, Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela. And uh, yeah, that, who's Danny like, Musovsky? Who's, who's uh, the striker? He's there. I mean, he's a striker. Like, and it's interesting. Like, there's the strike there. Um, center forward is where they're weakest. I mean, like, going back to the, the central forward, like, they're, I mean, Atuesta, the question about him is whether or not they'll actually have him past the summer transfer window. Because his contract is up at the end of the season. Uh, Columbia still has a weird thing where like they won't really call up MLS guys to play for their national team. And he's got Brazilian clubs chasing him. And so if he has no chance of playing for the national team, there's a good chance he's going to leave. Or it's going to take uh, LAFC to actually sign him to a contract that's like a DP level contract to keep him. So that's kind of the one question mark in the central mid for them. Uh, but yeah, then you still have Blessing and Mark, Mark Anthony K, and then all of their depth they have. And then you get to the attackers where you have Vela, who, I mean, he was injured for most of last season, didn't play much. I think he only had like four starts last season. Uh, coming back, you have Diego Rossi coming in, who was filling in, like basically fo- filling in for like the Vela role, ended up being the golden boot last year. Um, in the, uh, in the off season, they signed, uh, Corey Baird from, uh, 
San or no, uh, Utah, not Utah, Real Salt Lake. There it is. And um, then they also signed Carl Jennings, who is uh, came from Indy 11 and is one of the top like USL kind of uh, strikers. So it's going to be Corey Baird kind of fighting with uh, Jennings to see who gets a spot. And then and I they, mean, they also and, yeah, Brian Rodriguez, Rodriguez right? Yeah. The, yeah. And then you have, and then you have the whole thing where like Brian Rodriguez is out on loan. If he doesn't come back, they can sign another DP to bring in most likely in the attack, because why would you spend a DP money anywhere else? And they're just going to be stacked. Like yeah. I don't, I, yeah. Good, good luck defending them. So like, here's here's my thing about this is that, for Minnesota United, we have some options if Reynoso needs to rest or be out. What do you feel as what happens if Atuesta leaves five, six weeks into the into the MLS season? Who do they put in there? Yeah, and that's the real question because like their backup for him is like an academy homegrown. I don't even know who he is, but he's a, a young kid who is definitely not one of the top defensive midfielders in the league. And so, I mean, how do you replace one of the? He's argue, I mean, Atuesta is arguably the the best defensive midfielder in the league. So, I mean, I don't know how they replace him, especially if you know, come July, he's not anywhere in it. It's like, what are you going to do? Try to bring in? A but but new... the thing is, you could play with the central midfield of K and Blessing and put uh, another attacker because you've got you could put Baird, Rossi, and Vela uh, out there with Masovsky. Um or, or as well, you know, you've got Brian Rodriguez uh, as well. So th- there's a, there's options, I think, for for how you could just change the lineup and make it work better. Yeah. Um, you're right, Atuesta. Like the the difference is that will someone sign Diego Rossi? Will someone sign Atuesta? Will someone sign um, Brian Rodriguez from them, etc.? You know, right? For us, yeah. And who who are they going to bring in? Right, because. Because the uh, the way that the way this works is that you know whoever is in that midfield gets the ball to Vela and and Vela oh. ends up being the one that creates uh, opportunities or draws in the defense and then the ball goes to Rossi. I mean, we've seen K step in and, and be able to create those opportunities. I just don't without a Twesta stepping up or a Twesta not being in there. I just I just find it difficult for them to get a rhythm to do that. So mm-hmm. I do think though, part of me thinks that. If you had Doug Atuesta out there, Doug could could still get the ball enough to Carlos Vela. Like if you get the ball yeah. to Carlos Vela and and Diego Rossi, the ball can still go in. Um, having Eduard uh, Atuesta makes it far better, right? They've got other things. You know, um, Mark Anthony K is a really great central midfielder. Um, so the rest of the 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 predictions. Who do we think is winning MLS Cup this year? Uh, I'm going to say LAFC is going to beat Columbus. Okay. All right. Wow. That's bold. I, I have, um, I have LAFC, LAFC, uh, winning the cup as well. Okay. I think it's, if, if Bob Bradley can't get some hardware this year, I think he's, he's done. You think so? That, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think I think so. You think he's done the like they'll fire him? I, I walk or, away, or, or he'll walk away. Yeah, mm. I think so. I just well, I don't he, see a live Steve firing him. Well, he walked, that's that's the two walk to a, Minnesota. That's a good one. Yeah, just kidding. He would never yeah. come here. Um, 
Rodrigo, do you have a prediction? Um, I mean, I, I, I think Columbus is still the strongest team at, at like in their spine. Like we've talked about how spines are are essential, right? And how we at one point had that good connection of that spine. And I think Columbus has that. And we've added pieces. You have Santos, and no, it, it, imagine being in a team where like. Having a Kevin Molino sideline for six to eight weeks is not that deafening or like a, a blow to your to your offense. I think that's one of the things that that they're just so I, I see Columbus, you know, like people usually people don't repeat, but I, I just I just have a faith that they have a, a really good shot and I see that. Yeah, Columbus is going to beat Minnesota in the MLS Cup. That's what I believe. Um, Dark Horse candidates. I'm going to skip Supporters Shield, uh, but um, Dark Horse candidates, what, what do you. Uh, who who's out there that will like surprise us, particularly in the West, but maybe in maybe in the East as well? I've got. I I always um, will put some money on Dallas. I think they're the way that mm-hmm. they play their youth. I think they're they're always going to be a dark horse candidate. I think uh, Colorado in the in the West and uh, New England in the East. Okay. Yeah, I think you know. I, I agree. I think uh, the fighting Bucevinas have depth. They have uh, they have a lot of their you know people who were injured coming back, and they have you know Tejan. They just you know they have a lot of players that can really do a lot of damage in the aspect of it in mm-hmm. different positions. So I think you know they Bucevina did what he could with what he had, and now he has a full plate. So it's like you know Carla. Carlos Hill is back finally, right? And I think it's just, you know, I think that's makes it really intriguing what this team will be able to do on the, on the East. And I think, uh, you know, Luchi, Luchi, Luchi gang. So I think Dallas. Um, I'll, I'll say LA Galaxy. I think um, with Greg Vanny there, they're still a garbage team, but they, Greg Vanny could probably turn something around there. Um, will he? Probably not, but I'm looking at them and thinking like they could probably surprise and, and finish third or something like that or or make a run and, and do something weird. Um, so uh, who's going to – Who are you, which team are you going to be schadenfreude watching? Because I'll just say for me, Inter-Miami. I want to see Phil Neville just completely sunburned, sweating – um, drinking gin and tonics and just fucking failing, like just like, like he a, just he, like his, his, he has to take off his shirt, but he'll still put the vest on. Yeah, just like the the like watching, it's like a, a front row seat to watching um, the destruction of colonialism. Like just just he's he's there to like conquer, and he just gets his ass kicked. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Inter Miami watch. Anyone else? You have you have nominees for teams that you're going to watch just to watch them get spanked. Inter Miami is a really good one. I'm also leaning towards Chicago, yeah. just because I want to see the whole season get blown up because Calvo blew up the whole season. That's I I just love watching it, and I kind of that it'll just bring me joy. It's the the. The great thing about that is watching, um, if you think back to our years where we were trying to apologize for, like, be like, oh, no, he's bad, but but also he's very talented and spending all that he time. Be, like, he should be a six. He should be a yeah, six. Doing whatever. 
And um, and then reading um, previews about Chicago Fire where they're like, oh, yeah, there's this, this, and this. But but look at this defense. And, like, the captain is right there at the center of it. And it's like everyone is still doing what we were doing, which is like, Calvo's fucking terrible. How is he a captain in two teams with the worst defenses ever? And people are like, well, yes, um, we should put him in charge of more. Why don't we? Well, he's not that bad with Costa Rica. And it's like, well, oh my God. okay, well, that's a, that's a five-man back line. Yeah, yeah. Or three-man, either yeah. way. Three-man back line, but yeah. No, I mean, it's always fun to watch Chicago. I think Chicago's midfield is actually up and coming. So, like, but I... I, I just want to see Austin FC. I just want to see what Matthew Matthew is going to be able to do, and and what shenanigans we'll get into. And those in that interview that you posted on our Slack channel, I swear he looked like Mickey Rourke. And I was like, <laughs> in the back of a van. Yeah, in the back of a van. And I was like, is that Mickey Rourke? Really? Is Matthew McConaughey is- and Magic Mike? <laughs> I think so. Yes, yes, yes. He should. He should have been. He's just gonna magic mic his way down. Like he's gonna be the the halftime show for every. He was he was a standing for Mickey Rourke and the and the wrestler. That's what it was. You know? Um. Any other options for Schadenfreude to watch? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, Cincinnati is is always Cincinnati. Good. I was gonna say, yeah, that that's going I, to be I, a fun with, one. with the amount of, with I, the I amount of money that they though. I I don't with the amount of money that they're throwing at them now at this point. It, like they were they were. Heavyweights in USL, and you know and, the the difference between Cincinnati fans and Minnesota fans is we were terrible and we thought it was hilarious, and they are terrible and they're like we're not terrible. Um, I, yeah. like if you ever ever ask um any national writers who the worst fan bases are, it's Orlando and Cincinnati. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think uh, uh, and and someone explained it to me, which is that. Both those teams were fantastic in the USL, and then they came yeah. to um, MLS, and so they they believed that they they had some sort of gift that they were I, bestowing. Upon I, I love I love um, the the Inter Miami players or, or fans going in on um, the extra time guys on Twitter this week when they list, had their power rankings or, or mm-hmm. like their their full mm-hmm. um, league rankings, and they're just absolutely shitting on Orlando and Matt Doyle's like, you know what? I'm here for this energy. And they're like, Orlando has one good season and you rank them above us. And, and then the inter Miami fans are like, we literally got into the playoffs and it was just like, Oh, you know what? You know, I, I, I'm here for this combative spirit. It's yeah. like, let's bring it on. Like, I, I want this, like, this is a joy. I just, I just want to know if Orlando will culturally appropriate the Mighty Duck, Mighty Ducks quack that made Minnesota so famous in the early '90s, and and will the supporters cheer that every time Pato scores? That's what I want to know. If, if they if 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 they have like a a play that is called the knuckle puck, then yes. All right, my friends, let's call it a day. It's been a 17-hour-long podcast. I have shitloads to edit edit to make this uh, worthwhile. Um, Aragorn is is king of Middle Earth again, and yep, Talaris. Yeah, Taleris. we'll release the four hour uh, supercut of this uh, podcast. 
Um, thanks, everyone. Hopefully, I'll see some of you Friday. Um, please come say hi if uh, if I don't. Uh, I, I've forgotten all your names. I barely actually remember the three of your names. But everyone out there, um, it's been a long pandemic. I spend a lot of time working through my um, invented disability of partial face blindness. And uh, and so please come say hi. Uh, Corey, you'll be there to, to hang out with me and drink yeah. with me. These yeah, other- for sure. Losers, who knows if they'll, who's, who knows? I'll try my win. best. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys. It's fun as always. And uh, let's go, uh, let's go, loons. Yeah.